Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Welcome to the word today. And today we're going to be going to the book of Acts chapter uh, 25, 26, okay? And today we're going to be talking about happily beside ourselves. Happily beside ourselves. What in the world does that mean? Well, the beside ourselves is a reference to something that the apostle Paul said about himself once and was said about him by another person in the book of Acts. Beside yourself literally means that you're crazy, that you're a lunatic, that you're acting, you know, you're acting in a way that other people think that you have lost your marbles, okay? And so happily, how could you be happily crazy, happily, you know, an idiot, happily a lunatic, other people thinking that you are absolutely bonkers? Well, we're going to read about that. Let me give us a little bit of history to bring us up to this. Somewhere around the year A.D. 59 or 60, it's kind of split on exactly which year it was, A.D. 59 or 60, history confirms that the Roman emperor Nero, he recalled the procurator of Judea back to Rome. He wanted to bring him back to Rome because the Jews had been complaining about him. And some of the Jews were very prominent, and they held court with Nero. And so Nero wanted to keep them happy because here he is occupying their country. And they were not happy with a man named Antonius Felix. He was the procurator. So somewhere around 49 or 50, Nero recalled Felix back to Rome. And he established a man named Portus Festus as the new procurator. Well, when Felix was recalled, he wanted to, you know, have favor with the Jews. He didn't want these Jewish leaders and prominent people to continue to be mad at him and say worse things because he could have his head cut off when he got back to Rome. I mean, you know, Nero was no one to mess with. And so what he said was, and you can read it in, in, in the books of Acts, in Acts 25, he said, I want to make sure that I gain a little favor with, with, with the Jews and I don't want to make them mad. And so what I'm going to do, instead of letting the apostle Paul go, because the Apostle Paul had already been incarcerated there for a little longer than a year, uh, almost a year and a half. In, 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 instead of letting him go, because I don't really have any charges against him that are worth anything, I am going to keep him in prison. I'm going to keep him there imprisoned in Caesarea, and maybe the Jews will be happy with that. And maybe they will say something nice. Well, you know... Uh, so Festus became the new procurator, and Felix was off to Rome. What difference does this make to me and you? Well, it made a big difference to the Apostle Paul, because now the Apostle Paul, instead of being let go, instead of being pardoned, instead of being released because they had no real charges against him, he, now he has to stay in prison, and he has to put himself in front of another person to prove himself to one more person and to tell the whole story again. And so Festus 
this new procurator, he went down to Jerusalem and came back to Caesarea. Whenever he was at Jerusalem, many of the Jewish leaders said, listen, there's a man who's been kept in prison and, uh, by your forerunner. We want him to be brought down to Jerusalem. We want him to be tried here. He has caused a lot of problems in our religion, and we want him here because we want to end up basically executing him. So when Festus got back to Caesarea, he said to the apostle Paul, Hey, you want to go down to Jerusalem and be tried down there? I think I'm going to take you there, and we will have those people there go ahead and set up court, and you can be tried in Jerusalem. The apostle Paul said, No, you're not sending me to Jerusalem to be tried before these people. I appeal to Caesar. What does that mean? Well, the apostle Paul had a citizenship in Rome. He was a Roman citizen, and a Roman citizenship gave you some privileges. It gave you the privilege of not being crucified. Isn't that amazing? You could not crucify a Roman citizen in that day, but you could cut the head off. That's the reason, you know, a few years later, about seven years later, Peter had his, you know, was crucified, and Paul had his head cut off in Rome. The reason his head was cut off is because he was a Roman citizen. You can't crucify a Roman citizen. You can't torture a Roman citizen. Okay? Festus said, what do you mean you appeal to Caesar? The apostle Paul said, I have a right to make my appeal as a Roman citizen. And so Festus basically had his hands tied. He could either let this man go or he could send him to Rome. So he's wondering what to do. As he is in this quandary as to what to do with the Apostle Paul, King Agrippa, forgive me for introducing so many players into this scene, but it's important. King Agrippa was the king of that area, and Festus was more like a governor of Judea. King Agrippa had more power. For king Agrippa and his sister, Bernice came to visit Caesarea. They wanted to welcome the new governor to his governorship. And so when they came to visit Festus there in Caesarea, they were there a few days. And Festus, wanting to gain favor, everybody's wanting to gain favor with somebody, aren't they? Festus was wanting to gain favor with the king, and he said, hey, king, I know that you know a lot about the Jews, and I know that you know a lot about, you know, all the stuff that goes on around here, and I'm the new kid on the block, and, and, and Felix left a man in prison here and turned him over to me. And, you know, I would have let this man go. He could have been let go, but he made an appeal to Caesar. And I don't even know what to say if I send him to Rome. I don't even know what the charges are, and I don't understand them. And so would you mind listening to him? You know, here Festus is trying to butter up Agrippa. You're smarter than me. You're wiser than me. You know more than me, king. How about you listening to him, and then you can tell me what I should write to Nero, the emperor, whenever I send him to Rome. And so King Agrippa said, I would love to hear this man in person. And so the next day, King Agrippa and Bernice, who was his sister, but 
it was kind of a questionable relationship between those two. History can fill that in for you. King Agrippa, Bernice, his sister, some of the prominent men of the city, you know, some of the leaders, and Festus, you know, they all came into court, and it was such a great, you know, uh, the, 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 the scriptures call it with great pomp. You know, they came in. You can imagine marching in and sitting down on the thrones. All of a sudden, we have the king of our, of our whole land here and, 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 and the new governors here and all the prominent men of the city and the leaders, we're all here together. And so the apostle Paul is brought in to stand before them. Something interesting happened right here. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. Verse 2. Paul said, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all the customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. Now, we're going somewhere with this congregation, okay? Listen now, we're going somewhere important with this, so remember what Paul has done here. King Agrippa, by the way, would need patience. It's the first thing here that, that Paul asked for. Be patient with me, King Agrippa. You know, Listen to me. I, I'm, I'm happy to tell you my story, but I want you to be patient and listen to me. Well, King Agrippa needed patience because the Apostle Paul was going to go all the way back to the time when he was about 12 or 15. And he's going to pick up the story from there. <laughs> and the Apostle Paul is going to start telling King Agrippa his life story. You know, you know when I was just a young man, you know, uh, you know I'm... I, 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 I went to Jerusalem and I studied, you know, and, I, and, and, and you can read the whole thing. And, and you know, uh, from my youth, I have been committed to the law of Moses. From my youth, I have committed to being of the very strictest sect of the Jews. In fact, I practiced as a Pharisee. But not only did I practice as a Pharisee, let me tell you, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And Paul began to tell King Agrippa his life story. And how, as a young man, he was so zealous for the law of Moses that he hunted down every Christian that he could find. Not only in the city of Jerusalem, but he would go to foreign cities and he would hunt them down. Not only would he hunt them down if they believed that Jesus was Messiah, but he would also struggle with them and, and argue with them. And not just that, he had the power to arrest them. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, of the strictest sect. And not only that, but he had the power to bring them back to Jerusalem. He even tortured them. Do you know the Apostle Paul would go to a city and he would look around for people that were believers. He would try to get 
into the church. He would try to find people that, 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 that were Jews, but yet they believed Jesus was Messiah. And when he found them, do you know that he would torture them? Literally torture them, physically, mentally, emotionally torture them and make them say that Jesus was not the Messiah. He made many people blaspheme Jesus. And many people who were believers in Jesus, he would torture them so bad and, and hurt them so much that they would deny Jesus. And they would say that Jesus was an imposter and not Messiah. Some of them he would bring back to Jerusalem. Some of them he would vote his hand. He lifted his hand to vote for them to be executed. And many believers were executed because he sought them out. He found them. He drugged them back to Jerusalem, put them in court, and stood in court and raised his hand to see them killed. Only because they would not deny Christ. Now this is the story that Paul is telling King Agrippa. You can read it for yourself. I'm not making this up. This was what Paul did. He was a pretty bad guy. He was the worst of the worst. He's wanting King Agrippa to know, look, I know how the Jews feel. I know what's going on. I've been there. I've done that. I know what they're capable of. I know what I was capable of. And I believed I was right. I believed I was serving God. I believed that I was doing this for God. The Apostle Paul was not, you know, trying to be wrong, and he didn't think he was wrong. He thought he was right all the time that he was torturing and arresting and executing people. He believed he was right. Do you know you can believe you are right and yet be so wrong? And that's what he's telling King Agrippa. He's getting King Agrippa to the place where King Agrippa understands that Paul understands. You know, so many times people don't think Christians understand the world. I remember a, there used to be a comedian, a Christian comedian. Mm, Mike Warnke was his name. <laughs> oh, this is back in the day. 80s, I guess. That's, that's a long time ago. The, the 1980s, not the 1880s. <laughs> Many of you remember, some of you were, were born back in the, in, in the 1900s. <laughs> Mike Warnke said that Christians kept witnessing to him and witnessing him and witnessing him. He was so tired of it, he couldn't get away from him. And so he went and joined the military. Why? Because he imagined that Christians were too weak to pass the physical to get into the military. <laughs> That's what people think about Christians. Meantime, we're weak. We just don't know. We don't understand. We're not in the real world. You're not in the real world. Oh, yes, I am. I am in the real world. I'm in the real world, <laughs> you know. And I have been in your world. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get King Agrippa to understand. I have been in your world. I was in your world deeper than you can imagine. I mean, who else in that court could say, I tortured people until they blasphemed Jesus? 
Wow. The Apostle Paul knows what he's talking about. And he believed he was right. And then the Apostle Paul begins to tell the king about what happened to him one day. About one day whenever the Apostle Paul said, he said, I had letters from the high priest. I was authorized, I was deputized, and I was sent out to Damascus to find some more Christians so that I could arrest them and bring them bound back to Jerusalem so that they could stand trial and be tortured and either blaspheme and deny Christ or be executed. I was on my journey doing my duty, believing I was doing it for God, believing that I was living in accordance with the laws of Moses. And a great light shined. And all of a sudden I heard a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And there he tells King Agrippa about a conversion experience that he had that not only changed his eternal life, but also changed his mind about things on this earth. Changed how he felt, changed how he thought, changed what he wanted, changed his perspective in life. And all of a sudden, he began to see other people like Jesus saw other people. So he tells King Agrippa, he's there, you know, he said, I got changed. You know, it opened my eyes and and, and it turned me from the power of darkness to light. And, and it turned me literally from Satan to God. That's what conversion will do. That's what Jesus Christ will do. That's what an encounter with Jesus, that's what saying yes, that's what getting saved will do. And it will do it for the very worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. It will do it for everybody and anybody that has that encounter and says yes to Jesus. It changed him from the power of Satan, he says to the power of God my goodness and then he says King Agrippa as Paul was concluding he said since that time I have been a bold witness as to what happened to me I've been a bold witness for Jesus and I've gone from city to city and I've been encouraging people through much hardship and heartache and hurt and persecution. And, and I, I've, I've been teaching them nothing other than what the prophets and Moses said about Messiah. How that he would come and he would suffer and he would die and he would be raised from the dead again. I have not taught anything contrary to the word of God. I have taught the prophets and I've taught the law of Moses. And people have been seeing Christ and they have been changing. I told them that Messiah must suffer and die and be raised from the dead. When he gets to that point, when the Apostle Paul gets to that very point, I can easily imagine from reading the Scripture that, that King Agrippa, who he was talking to, and perhaps Bernice, and maybe Festus, and maybe some of the prominent men of the city, and maybe some of the elders, they were there on the edge of their seats. If we had someone in our pulpit that was telling this same story, wouldn't you be on the edge of your seat? Man, they were there. And, and I imagine that King Agrippa was just about to say, Glory! You know. 
What a change. Wow. And when he's right there, all of a sudden, the new governor, Festus, he interrupts. Do you know the reason why the Scriptures tell us to not quench the Holy Spirit? Evidently because the Holy Spirit can be quenched. Evidently, people can throw a cold blanket on what's happening between God and another person. Evidently, people can whether through anxiety or being nervous or, or, or intent, can end up ruining and destroying a good God moment. And that's what Festus does. The Bible says that at that very moment, you can read it, Acts 26, verse 24. Now as Paul thus made his defense, as Paul was making his defense in a very specific way that the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit had planned, Festus, the governor, said with a loud voice, now th this is what it means, he screamed, Paul! He interrupted, Paul, you are crazy! You are beside, do you know you can destroy someone else's witness if you're not watchful? Paul, you can interrupt a God thing. Paul, you are beside yourself. He was seeing the passion that Paul had. He was seeing how Paul had laid this out so methodically. He was seeing, no doubt, King Agrippa getting closer and closer. No doubt he was sensing something. Perhaps he was under conviction himself. And when some people get under conviction, when some people get under, under pressure to change, they just want to destroy everything. Instead of change, let me just destroy. Instead of agreeing that, I, that you know, whatever is reason, Paul, he screamed. You are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. What's he doing? He's discrediting his testimony and discrediting the witness of Paul in King Agrippa and in the prominent men. Why? Because I tell you why. If the prominent men of that city and the elders of that city and King Agrippa had got born again and Festus, uh, he, and they had changed, Festus might have lost his job next. You just let one prominent person have a life change like Paul had, like you had, like I had. My goodness. I used to do things I don't do no more. I used to do things I don't want to do no more. I had a life change. Something happened. I see it different now. How about you? Has Jesus changed your life? He was just about to change Agrippa's life. Paul, much learning, you're, you're mad, you're crazy. Much learning, you know, you, 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 just, you, you, you just got into this too much. Verse 25, but Paul said, I am not crazy. That's what that word mad means. I am not the lunatic here. I'm not the one that's missing it here. I'm not mad. I'm not crazy, most noble Festus. Remaining, you know, respectful. 
but I speak the words of truth and reason. Verse 26, for the king before whom I speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention. Boy, that's the truth. Since this thing was not done in a corner, King Agrippa, verse 27, this is where Paul wants to get back on track here. You know, with, he's, been in a, he's been rudely interrupted, no doubt by the devil. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. You know, this is one of the things, one of the places I, 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 I draw from whenever I'm witnessing to people, you know. Do you believe in Jesus? I know you believe in Jesus. You know, I help them confirm that. Yes, yes, I do, you know. Then Agrippa said to Paul, the worst, saddest words you'll ever hear, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. I was right there. Almost. So close. So sad. You know, I've gone over and over and over this account so many times this past week and during the last 40 years of study and I've come to wonder if perhaps King Agrippa would have repented of his sins right there and asked Jesus to be his Lord and Savior if Festus had just have not interrupted. What would have changed in Agrippa's family? What would have changed in all of Judea? What, what would have changed in, in, in the lives of those prominent men because you know uh, they could not afford in their position to say yes unless King Agrippa did. You know, you influence and impact a lot of people as well in your life. You know, Festus quenched the moving and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. He interrupted the anointing and he accused Paul of being crazy. He accused Paul of just trying to cause problems. You know, uh, Paul, you sound like a lunatic. You know, you're, you're getting too worked up here, Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul knew he sounded like a lunatic. You know what? The Apostle Paul knew how he sounded, and he knew it sounded like, like, like you know, uh, uh, something too good to be true. He understood that. But yet Paul was depending on the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to bridge that gap in the life of these listeners. And you know, uh, 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 he, he understood he was intense. The Apostle Paul understood he was passionate. He understood he was beside himself, if you will. But he was willing to be a fool for Christ's sake if it meant bringing one more soul to Jesus. He was willing to act like a fool. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, in verse 10. I am happy to be a fool for Christ. That's what David, uh, King David said. I will be yet more violent. I am happy to be a fool when it comes to serving God. I'm happy to look like a lunatic. I'm happy for other people to think I'm crazy. I'm happy for other people to, to think I'm too intense if it brings one soul to Christ. The Apostle Paul knew how he sounded, and why would anyone risk their reputation by pleading or by telling you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, something so direct? Because Paul believed King Agrippa and Bernice and the commanders and the prominent men, Paul believed that these people of Caesarea, even Governor Felix, Festus, he believed that they needed Jesus. And Paul was given one chance 
to testify. One chance. I'm going to let you speak for yourself. He was just given a chance to share his testimony. Paul believed that he was an ambassador for Christ. Let me tell you quickly, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cover a lot of verses here in very short circumstance. Uh, uh, please read them all because uh, I'm going to grab the heart, but please read them all uh, so that nothing is left out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul wrote this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? That's pretty heavy. Verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Okay? The Apostle, that's, that's pretty why did Why did Paul act like a, a, like, like so intense? Why was he so desperate to share his story? Why did he tell everything, tell it all? Why? Because he understood that we're all going to stand, even King Agrippa and the commanders and the prominent men and, and Festus, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and Bernice, and, 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 and we're all going to give an account of God. And knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, that's why we try to persuade men. That's, you know, uh, verse 13, he said, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. That's what the Apostle Paul said about himself. If I'm beside myself, if I look like a lunatic, act like a lunatic, if I'm passionate, if I'm intense, if, if I'm doing what I'm doing right now and it shows up on the NBC nightly news and I look like I'm doing this and look like some idiot, let me tell you, I know I look like an idiot, but I'm happy to be beside myself if it is for God. I don't look near the idiot that some of those people do in the stands at a football game. Come on. But I am willing to be a fool for Christ. I'm willing to be beside myself if it is for God. Why? Verse 14, for the love of Christ compels us. I'm compelled. We as born-again believers should feel a compelling conviction to risk looking and sounding crazy so that we might bring someone to Christ. I'm not talking about being mad and angry or being, you know, uh, uh, combative. I'm talking about letting the Holy Spirit come out of us and people know the real story of our life, how that we were lost in darkness, how that we believed one thing and we lived in the world and we acted like the world and we thought it was okay, but one day Jesus came to us. I know what you're going through, but you don't know what happened to me. Let me tell you how Jesus has changed my life from the power of Satan unto God, from, from darkness to light. Let me tell you what happened to me. Coach, I've heard your testimony. What a powerful testimony. Coach Smith sitting out here. You all need to hear it. How God worked with him and worked with him and worked with him for years and finally one day changed his life. He spent 45 minutes on that little turnaround right up there between 69 and 73 in Port Arthur, Texas, driving around in circles after I had met with you for 20 years talking to you and, 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 and counseling you because Gloria made you come. <laughs> but the things he was doing would curl your toes. But the things he's doing now will lead you to Christ. He had a life change. He got convicted by the Holy Spirit. Something happened down deep inside. 
I remember when you used to come to my office and lie to me. <laughs> tell me you weren't doing drugs. Out riding around at 3 o'clock, I'd laugh. I remember my son Ashley just telling you, why are you lying to me? I'm going to hang with you here, but let me tell you the truth. Jesus can change your life. And one day, do you know what happened to him one day? One day, Jesus changed his life. Jesus will change your life. I don't mind acting the fool to tell you that Jesus is real. He'll change your life. Not just your eternal life. He'll change the nasty now and now. He'll change how you see it. He'll change what you want, change what you think, if you will let him in. But guess what? He will also do it for the person that you witness to, that person right now that is in deep, dark sin, that has secrets of life, that's hiding behind good. I'm telling you, God will reach through to them, whether they're a governor or a mayor or, or, or some prominent person or a commander. It doesn't matter if you will get bold enough, just like the Apostle Paul. This was going to cost him his head. Acting like this was going to cost him his life. But it made me my life. It gave life to us. Verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Get saved. Be reconciled to God. It'll change your life. I know I'm talking to a bunch of believers, and that's who I intended to talk to today. If you're not born again, you need to be born again. You can do it right now. You can follow that conviction of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe in Jesus? I know you do. Ask Him into your heart right now. Sincerely ask Him to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins right now where you are. You can do it between you and Him. You can do it out loud. You can do it in the altar. You can do it at home. You can do it on your knees. You can do it driving in your car. You can do it there, wherever you are, in your office. You can say, Jesus, I believe in you. Come into my heart and my life. Change my life. Help me, O oh Jesus. Save my soul. Forgive my sins, Jesus. He will begin to teach you a new perspective. He will deliver you. If you've done that, He will deliver you right now from the power of darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. It happens every day, tens of thousands of times every day in the darkest, deepest places of this world, in the deepest crevices of a person's mind and heart when God penetrates because someone is sharing the message. The Bible says it is through the foolishness of preaching that God chose that men would be saved. It's through us pleading and proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Savior that other people get saved. Well, in all that we've read this morning, I want to draw attention only to one thing that the Apostle Paul said during this very trying time. It's the first words that he said. His first words to King Agrippa when King Agrippa said, Okay, Paul, you can speak for yourself. Look what Paul said in verse 2, chapter 26. I think myself happy. Woo! 
Come on, Joe Marino, how many people you done led to the Lord down there at the food pantry? A lot of people. This week it'll be more and more and more. You think yourself, you want to see a happy man, you go see Joe down there witnessing the people. That's what the apostle Paul said, I think myself happy. Oh, I may have been in prison, left in prison, but all the, you mean you're going to give me a chance to testify? You're going to ask me to tell you what's going on in my life? You're, okay, you're going to need some patience. <laughs> okay? If you've ever asked Tony Wilson anything, let me tell you something. First thing you ought to be out of your mouth, you're going to need some patience. Because it's going to be a long story. But when we get to the end of it, it's going to be all about Jesus. And I'm going to have compelled you to trust Him, to have faith in Him, and to let Him be your guide. Oh. Whew. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I get to tell my side of the story. Let me tell you what happened to me. Okay, Grab yourself a coffee and sit down. What a joy-filled time it would be for any one of us if we were given the chance to share our testimony with somebody else. The Bible says be ready to give an account of that good work that is in you in Christ. Before we went live, I shared a word of prophecy with our congregation. And this word of prophecy, let me give it to you as I... As I heard in my spirit, many of you are going to be asked this coming week to give an account of why you are like you are, why you say what you say and do what you do. Many of you are going to be given a chance to share your testimony this week. And I know some of you, your testimony sounds a little crazy. Mine does. From where I was to where I am. And why I am like I am today sounds a little crazy, but it holds a convicting power. Because they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not care about the consequences. They loved not their life unto the death. They threw consequences away for the chance to share their testimony with someone. Not everyone's going to say yes. Some will immediately, the Lord said this morning. But not everyone's going to say yes immediately, but you're going to drop a seed in a life. He'll watch over it. He'll water it. He'll cultivate it. And he will watch over it to its fruitfulness. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Share your testimony. Come on. Worst thing about it is people might be impatient. Or somebody might interrupt you. But if you get interrupted, you get right back on the path and say, do you believe? It's everyone's choice, but it's our responsibility to be an ambassador. As though God did plead with you through us. Be saved. Get saved. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.